You are listening to On the Rise, a podcast from West Claremont Schools. Thanks for joining us as we explore our core values of relationships, innovation, student-centeredness, and empowerment. And now, say hello to today's host, Mr. Mike Overby, our Chief Operating Officer. Welcome to our West Claremont Safety Series. I'm Mike Overby, Chief Operating Officer, and I'm here today with uh, Mr. Larry Paris, our Director of Technology, and Mr. Andy I, our Assistant Director of Technology. So, Larry, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself? Uh, My name is Larry Paris. I am the Director of Technology. I've been with the district about seven years. I've been in technology for more than 30. Uh, Over 20 of those have been in support of education. Uh, I came to West Claremont. Uh, because of the the moves that were happening here in the mid 20 teens and the focus of the district to, to really improve student options uh, that is what attracted me and and it's kept me here um, really striving to to help students reach their full potential as they leave the district and uh, we we've never slowed down in the entire time we've been here so I look forward to being here for many years to come giving students of Claremont County options as they leave our doors and Andy how about yourself I'm Andy I I'm the assistant director of technology I am entering my second year with the district I spent 19 years at uh, another high school uh, here locally as the director of technology, um, a teacher, a coach, a uh, director of facilities. Um, I really dove into uh, the high school realm and loved everything about uh, high school students and uh, giving them opportunities. And that's something we often talk about in our department is giving students opportunities. And, you know, coming to West Claremont, I saw that as a, as a great move for me to continue uh, to give students opportunities. Great. So our topic today is cybersecurity and cyber safety. So we're going to start with cybersecurity. Hey, Larry, why do you need to worry about information security right now? Well, information security is so important right now because virtually everything we do is connected some way. Uh, When we buy gasoline or we go to the grocery store, we are providing our information to new vendors. As we go to new websites, we are providing information about ourselves, whether we realize it or not, or we do it intentionally or not, we're providing information about ourselves to those websites, those vendors. So we have to be very careful about that because there are a lot of bad people in the world that are trying to collect that information and use it to compromise your uh, personal finances, to leverage additional debt in your name. Um, It's really become a booming business. Well, focusing our efforts on school safety and security, why should district administrators make cybersecurity a priority? Well, in the last few years, uh, there's been a great deal of focus on compromising educational systems. Uh, Traditionally, education has not put the same amount of effort into securing their data. And it has really become big business for bad actors, bad guys, to try to compromise systems and steal the identities of students and staff and sell them out on the dark web. There's a whole black market for identities in the world today, and they can really 
compromise a student's identity for a number of years before it's discovered when they go themselves to get uh, some type of uh, loan or you know enter the financial world through a credit card, something like that. And that's when when that theft can be discovered. But it could be compromised and utilized for many years before that happens. So when you look at the numbers of identities that we uh, that we maintain that are entrusted to us, year over year for the numbers of years that are in our databases, it is in the thousands and thousands of identities. So it becomes pretty high target. And the FBI has seen uh, attacks against education rise almost threefold in the last several years. To clarify, we do not ask for nor do we collect or house um, student social security numbers. Is that correct? That's absolutely correct. We have no need of of student social security numbers in our daily business. Uh, We do not use those or store them in any way. Great. So you mentioned that uh, we as educators are seeing more and more threats against our systems. What are the biggest cybersecurity threats out there right now? Well, some of the largest are phishing attempts. They are uh, emails that are sent from senders who claim to be someone else. They claim to be a trusted uh, person that you may know, uh, maybe a business that you do business with, and they form their emails to fool you to click on a link or open an attachment that can then install some software on your machine, malware, ransomware on your machine, uh, at which point they then try to charge you money to be able to access your data. Social engineering attempts where they learn as much as they can about you from information they've stolen from other places and then use that information to seem like they represent a trusted body, someone that you would have done business with or uh, someone that someone in your family might know, and they will try to gain more information or get you to act in a way uh, that would compromise you. And then ransomware uh, is usually the result of those types of actions, mm-hmm. which will then give them some leverage either over your machine or over your personal data. So it sounds like to me, one of the weakest links in our cybersecurity defense is human interaction. Is that correct? That is exactly correct. Okay. Uh, the human being is one of the greatest uh, vulnerabilities that we have. So talk to me, Andy, about how we're building capacity in our employees to um, make sure that they are not clicking on links or opening us up to different um, bad actors. Yeah. So one of the things we started last year was an email campaign that we informed our uh, employees about. We told them what was going to happen. And then we started sending out email campaigns, which are basically fake emails that we send to a random set of employees. And we, in an attempt to see how many people are going to click on that link and not for a, hey, we gotcha um, response. It is to educate and to get people to understand that they do have to evaluate the email account that it came from, to dive into the heading to the header information to the subject to understand if there are misspellings that are uncommon or a name is spelled wrong. If they do not recognize it, they shouldn't open the attachment. They shouldn't click on a link and they should report it as uh, phishing, which that is what the phishing campaign does. And then we get that report and we can educate those people. How effective has our uh, phishing campaigns been? 
has been unbelievably effective. I mean, within the first the first time we sent it out, we had probably 15, 20 responses that said, hey, is this real? And then every time we send it out month after month after month, that number keeps increasing. And now we're to the point where people don't send it to us and don't say, hey, is this? They are just going to the uh, step that we have taught them of reporting it as phishing. And that's what we want to do. We want them to go ahead and report it. If it's not, that's fine. We can take the steps to mark that as not phishing, but we want them to be um, cautious and we want them to go ahead and mark that as phishing. Great. Now, uh, another uh, initiative that we've taken on is called multi-factored authentication or MFA. Hey, Larry, what does that mean? How does that work? Why is that important? Uh, MFA is an additional level of security when you're logging into a a web-enabled system. Imagine your bank account. Traditionally, you need a username and a password to log in and be able to manipulate your, your accounts, your finances. MFA adds another level of security by also requiring something that you are or something that you have. Something that you are might be your facial recognition or it might be a fingerprint. Uh, something that you have could be a small USB security key or your cell phone, an app on your cell phone. And these add that layer of security because you will not be able to log into that system unless you know the username, the password, and then you have one of those other factors in your possession, which a bad actor who simply compromises your password using um, some very regularly available software applications or what have you, uh, cannot then access your accounts because they don't have your cell phone or they don't have your security key. Got it. Got it. Well, and I have to give kudos to your team because in about a two-week period, we transitioned last summer, last August, to a uh, fully MFA district with with about, what, 1,500 or so people? Yeah, uh, 1,100, 1,200, including vendors, what have you. But yes, it was, uh, it was a monumental ask, uh, but it was uh, very important. We were planning it on our roadmap anyway. It was escalated by the level of increase of attacks on school districts over the last couple of years, which really which really prompted us to move more quickly than we had originally intended. But um, because of the team working very hard, because of the support of the treasurer, the superintendent, the leadership in the district, we were able to uh, allocate the resources that we needed and get the work done in a very rapid time, time uh, right. timeline. Great. We do a lot of proactive initiatives in our district to make sure that an event doesn't happen. Andy, talk to me about, heaven forbid, if an event does happen. Yeah, um, we have planned for that. We have plans in place. We have uh, teams in place as well. So our plans tell us what type of event and then takes us step by step through our process, how we respond. And we have teams ready to deploy, whether that be at the building level or the district level, or um, again, building resources or third-party resources that we reach out to. We have uh, the uh, police uh, response there. We have contacts uh, as far as the FBI that we can reach out to in response. And it all depends on what type of incident it is. But those plans are in place. We have those protocols, and then we just follow those protocols, and we start going with that. Okay, great. And correct me if I'm wrong, Larry, we do have a 24-7 network monitoring that we do, correct? Out, that is outside the district? 
Yes, we actually have a couple of layers of monitoring that we use. We, we monitor at the network level. We look at our equipment for changes to any of the configurations. That is a, that is a common inroad for attackers where they will make changes to the, to the environment before they actually implement their attack. So we are watching at that level. We have software on our users' machines that go beyond the traditional antivirus into a more of a detection and response that notifies a security operations center when something looks quite not right. And they will then begin investigating as they reach out to our team to notify us of the, of the alert. We have systems on our servers that watch for changes and unusual activity by non-standard user accounts or user accounts that wouldn't normally perform that kind of action. So we have multiple layers that look for any kind of activity that is out of the norm. And often that activity is completely innocuous. It's exactly what we would expect. It's just uh, infrequent. And so the systems will alert us. Um, so yeah, we have protections at many levels. Okay. Andy, again, we if we were hacked, could we get our data back? Yeah, of course we can. We have backups um, both on-site and off-site. Um, we do them daily, we do them weekly, and we do them incrementally. And we save those and we make sure that we test those as well. So every quarter, uh, those backups are tested to ensure that that data is in fact good and it can be used to rebuild if in fact something terrible were to happen. And then- Go ahead, Larry. You had something to add? Yeah, I was just going to say, and those backups, uh, the off-site backups are immutable. So once they have been written, they cannot be compromised. Many attacks on organizations not only compromise the live data that's on the servers, but they also work to impact the backups as well so that you do not have a restore point. Our stuff, once it's written out, it is immutable and cannot be changed by a bad actor. That's great. And do we have cybersecurity insurance? We do. Uh, the district has qualified for the highest level of cybersecurity insurance available. Cybersecurity insurance has been a large talking point in school districts for the last couple of years. Uh, many districts are finding it very hard to even get a policy. And then the policies that many can get are sort of watered down and stripped down because of the number of protections that are required to get that insurance and get that full force of that insurance uh, is very difficult. West Claremont has two years in a row qualified for the highest level of insurance available. Great. That's awesome. Well, now we're going to flip to uh, cyber safety. But before we get there, are there any compliance obligations regarding student and staff data that uh, we have to follow? Well, there are several. Uh, FERPA, the Fed, uh, Family Educational Rights Privacy Act, uh, is one of the uh, primary that guides our work daily. That basically says that we have to keep our kids' data, our family data safe. Educational records have to remain inviolate. They can only be shared with those that have specific academic educational purpose. And there are some minor exceptions to that, and they call it directory information. But, but that's one of the, the main guiding regulations that drive our work. There are others. The Child Internet Protection Act is a, a federal regulation that requires us to safeguard our students from uh, inappropriate content. Uh, we take that requirement very seriously. We provide filtering for our 
on-site networks to keep uh, as much of that content away as possible. Uh, nothing is 100%, but uh, we have done, I think, a very good job of keeping our kids safe from inappropriate content while they're in our building. And then with our One to Wolf program and the Chromebooks that leave our site, those are filtered 24-7 uh, so that they also are uh, receiving those same protections. And then uh, as sort of tangentially, the, the Children's Online Privacy and Protection Act is something that website proprietors and online service providers have to follow to keep our children safe and ensure they're not collecting personal data for kids 13 and under. Uh, and we work with them to vet their services to make sure that that is happening. Great. So uh, Larry mentioned the Wonder Wolf program. Can Andy, can you give us a short synopsis of what that program is? Sure. The One to Wolf program is a one-to-one -one, uh, Chromebook program that we implemented an, a couple of years ago, five years ago now. We uh, began in 2016, 2017, 2016, we began in a middle school. The plan was to grow it over a number of years, but 2020, it sort of changed the game and yeah. we became completely one-to-one -one in 2020. Yeah, everything changed. And so now we are one-to-one kindergarten through 12th grade. Um, every student has a Chromebook available to them. Uh, the kindergarten students keep those in their classroom. They do not take it home with them. Kids 1 through 12 do take that device home with them. It offers them uh, connectivity while they're in the buildings. And then at home, if they uh, have the internet access at home, they can get their resources there to do their homework. Uh, and anywhere there is internet uh, connectivity, they can simply get on and do their work from wherever they might be. Are they safe? They are safe. They are protected. Uh, as Larry was talking about the protections that are in, we do have them blocked by firewalls. We do have them locked down so they can only access information during certain hours. In this past summer that, that just ended, we did change our accessibility times. So we limited the times they were allowed to be on their Chromebooks to give kids that screen-free time that mm -hmm. they do need. Right. And that was at the elementary and middle school level, correct? That's correct. So, uh, we we did not uh, implement that for the high school students mm -hmm. because the high school students are, you know, they're nearing the adult age and their their hours of activity are different than uh, the elementary and middle school kids. Great. So, Andy, you said they're safe and we have protections and students can't get to certain websites, but they're kids and they try to work around those. So, Larry, how do we... When we have a student who may be searching for something that's inappropriate or concerning, meaning like self-harm, what do we do? Well, we do have some resources in place on the devices that will alert individuals when there are inappropriate search attempts. Not everything in the internet is, is, you know, cleanly categorized and nice and easy to evaluate. So, so there are those exceptions uh, out there. And kids are ingenious. As fast as technology uh, works to prevent them from getting somewhere, they are figuring out new ways to, to get around that. Uh, but as those searches begin and they start to try to find information that is questionable or concerning, alerts are sent to building administrators, the people that know them best. Uh, it, you know, in the elementary school, it would be the assistant principal or the principal in that building. The middle school, it would be the assistant principal in charge of their grade or, or their group. And uh, the high school, it, it 
it, it's I think it's broken out by by last name, but it's it's the administrators in the buildings that know those kids best, know those families best, and then they can react to whatever that that uh, notification was. The self harm uh, obviously jumps right to the top. It is the it is the highest level of response I think that we have, and. Um, you know the, the the folks that that understand that world. Our student services team uh, can provide uh, a world of emotional supports uh, of other you know resources that are available to reach out to that student and try to to identify you know if there's if there's a real need for concern. Great. So we talked about a lot of proactive measures. What other measures did we miss? Anything or are those some are those the the big buckets that we're working on? Well, there's there's a lot more going on kind of behind the scenes. Uh, we can put in systematic protections, but those are only so good as the technology. They do not help us to understand what might be coming down the road. So we prepare our team and we coach them up and uh, we prepare ourselves through organizational memberships. Uh, the Consortium for School Networking is a national organization that is focused on K-12 educational technology protection and advancement. We are members of the Multi-State Information Sharing and Analysis Center, uh, which is a federal organization whose sole focus is to inform and arm state, local, territorial, and tribal organizations against the evolving cyber attacks that are coming out. Uh, We try to stay informed about what some of the latest attack types and vectors are so that we can move to protect ahead. Uh, We get regular notifications of uh, websites and uh, countries that are promoting, you know, attacks or, or supporting attack organizations. And we proactively block those sites. We block those entire countries um, to be ahead of the game so that we're not working out of reactive state once we've been hit. And to be clear, organizations like Uber have been hit recently. And so large and small uh, companies, agencies, school districts have had to fight off these bad actors. And I want to give kudos to Larry and Andy. Last two weeks ago, I think it was, Larry sent out an email talking uh, and informing our staff about the Uber um, hack that happened. And we all know that some of our people use the same passwords for many different things. So not only was it a, a great way to share the message, but it also kept us safe as well. I appreciate that, Mike. We uh, we did notify our staff. And then there are a number of districts in Southwest Ohio that are communicating regularly on these kinds of things. We participate with uh, a number of other districts in just this regular notification and chatter. So that email that went out to our staff, I immediately also forwarded to that group so that they could make their staff aware. They've done the same things for us before. Mm -hmm. Uh, We had a group in Northern Kentucky notify us of the seesaw compromise that happened Mm -hmm. a short time before that. And uh, that allowed us to to be ahead of it and act ahead. So the, the collaboration with other districts and other thought leaders and and techno, uh, technology uh, reps from schools in the area has been extremely valuable as well. So my last question for the team, and I'm going to direct it towards Andy, because he has a uh, middle schooler himself. What's some advice that you give to parents about keeping their students safe? I get asked this all the time when my son's 
friends, parents know that I'm in technology, they say, Hey, what are you doing about this? Or what are you doing about that? Or what should I do? And I, and I simply tell them two things. I say, number one, talk to your kid, understand what is going on, have those difficult conversations and know that that embarrassment, that awkward uh, conversation is only going to last for a short time, but you, the benefits from that are going to last far longer than that. And the second thing I tell them is that you cannot stick your head in the sand. You cannot say, oh, I don't want to know that because that's I can't understand that or that'll never happen to me. You have to get out there and you have to know. You have to figure out what it is. You have to learn the technology that your kids are getting into and then deal with it as it comes. Great. Yeah. We, we tell my, our girls at home that um, once you send that text, you can never get it back. So think before you send any of those texts, anything like that. So, um, so that we keep not only them safe, but then also safe from embarrassment as well. That's exactly right. So, uh, well, thank you so much for being here today and our first West Claremont Safety Podcast. Your work is noticed and appreciated, not only within the district, but within the uh, technology community that you uh, that you both work in. And I just appreciate the diligence that you take and the effort that is given to keep our student and staff data and our network safe. Thank you for your time today, and I appreciate it. Thank you. Glad to Thank be here. Thank you.